Happy fraternal greetings and good wishes to all the brothers and the sisters. The entire effort that we put in in relation to wisdom He stood, stand above the dualities. Mind has the ability to distinguish, to discriminate, to see what is agreeable, 
what is not agreeable it has its choices it has its preferences and it strives to gain that which is preferred that which is chosen that which is considered joyful but life is such that you are also offered the contraries life brings to you the contraries we wish to have health but your health approaches us we wish to be joyful but life brings sometimes sorrow also <coughs> we wish to be very comfortable but there are many situations that are much which do not give the right comfort that's where the mind finds its challenges when it chooses one way through through time the life offers something in another way so that is where the conflict emerges the purpose of wisdom is to raise our awareness into a slightly higher level where we have not such strong likes and dislikes not such strong preferences choices a kind of fluidity fluidity meaning from being hard to be able to gain that softness by which you can adapt <clears throat> adaptation to situations and yielding one's own viewpoint to gain vision is a dimension which is required to be gained and wisdom is meant for it wisdom lifts us from lifts lifts our awareness from the mental plane to buddhic plane from mental from mental plane to higher mental plane higher mental plane to buddhic plane the more we walk into the realm of buddhi the we jettison meaning get rid of the kind of view points that we hold relating to comfort relating to pleasure relating to progress relating to success all those view points that we have they would slowly be given up because we start gaining the vision a broader vision which is able to be inclusive but not exclusive to be able to adapt to a given situation 
బట్ నాట్ డిమాండ్ యువర్ ఓన్ కండిషన్స్ వెర్ ఎవర్ యు గో దిస్ కైండ్ ఆఫ్ ఫ్లూయిడిటీ ఈజ్ డైమెన్షన్ ఆఫ్ మెర్క్యూరీ ది మెటల్ అండ్ మెర్క్యూరీ ది ప్లానెట్ ఇట్ ఈస్ ది సేమ్ మెర్క్యూరీ దట్ గివ్స్ అస్ ది ది ప్లానెట్ ప్రిన్సిపుల్ దట్ గివ్స్ అస్ ది ఎబిలిటీ టు డిస్క్రిమినేట్ టు కంపేర్ అండ్ టు కాంట్రాస్ట్ to distinguish to choose to reject but when the awareness moves up it tends to be accommodative so this accommodative nature is an aspect of buddhi non accommodative nature is an aspect of mind <coughs> mind defines mind builds the structures and everything that does not fit into that structure it throws away but when you are into buddhi it tries to accommodate and see that you reject less and less and less you include more and more and more it's the same planetary principle from a higher dimension it gives that kind of approach the more you are accommodative the more you are into the realms of buddhi the less you are accommodative the less you are into the realms of buddhi and the more and more you are rigidly structured the more and more you just remain a mental being <clears throat> and the wisdom says away from us so that's why the whole purpose is there are thousands and thousands countless concepts of wisdom their purpose is to lift us up from the plane of mind to the plane of buddhi where there is an all accommodating nature from buddhi to atman when you move further up there are much more accommodative where there is nothing that you reject that's what we invoke say through our invocation anirakarana mastu anirakarana let me not negate let me not negate let me be accommodative to the brahman the all-permeating one accommodated everything. All that we see which is agreeable to us or not agreeable to us has come into existence because it is allowed to be in existence. It's allowed to be in existence. What we don't like is also allowed by the Brahman. What we like is allowed to be in creation. so whether we like it we don't like it we accept it we don't accept it they do exist isn't it in the group also in the group also we may not agree with certain persons but they do exist they are also brought into the group by the same energy which allowed you to be in the group isn't it so you cannot decide this man is a, a nuisance 
or this woman is a problem. This kind of things normally the mind tells us. When you get these kind of ideas, know that you are living in mind. You are not living in buddhi. If you are living in buddhi, you see how best to utilize every resource. Buddhi gives us the ability to gainfully employ every resource for general good. That is what is called intelligent activity. We speak of intelligent activity. What is intelligent activity? Intelligent activity is appropriate utilization of all natural resources for the benefit of general good. That's how it is defined. So there is no such thing as a wasted thing in creation except in the mind of the human. There is no waste. Everything has its rightful place in creation. The more and more you find wasteful persons or wasteful places or wasteful things, so much is wasted in your awareness that you are not able to gain the right comprehension. That's how we have to find the ability to include, ability to make best use of every resource, every resource. Because in everything there is a strength associated by a weakness as well. There is always a strength and a weakness. They are together always. So you have to see how best you fit in the the strength, collective strength, makes things easier. Collective strength makes things easier. And by rejection, you are getting weaker. By inclusion through strength, we get stronger. That's why what are we to do? We, in this comparison and contrast that we, that the mind gives, we have to find what is the common ground where we can relate to each other. In all of us there is something common which enables us to interact with each other. There is something uncommon between us where we should not try to... That's not our playground. You relate more and more in aspects of... aspects which are common as between us. The more and more the agreeability grows. If we meet in that ground where we don't, we are uncommon, then disagreeability grows. So agreeability is a dimension which can be gainfully gained with the help of wisdom. That's where the practice is that we keep on being inclusive but not exclusive. As much as possible you include and as far as possible you do not exclude. That's how the... it is a... it is through inclusivity you grow, through exclusivity you constrict and suffocate and suffer. 
the more and more you get individualized, the more and more is suffocation. From individuality to personality, from personality to soul, is the path of unfoldment into light. So tending to be exclusive, tend to be, tending to be exclusively individualistic, is tending to be a concrete mind. What Javali tells us, in creation there are always dualities. The two pillars speak of the duality. There is always, there is something that opposes. The whole creation is built by such opposition. There are, there are divine, there are also diabolic beings. And both are at play. Then there is a game. So we have to see how many can be brought into a common ground within us. Within us also there are lot of there is lot of conflict because of this vertical division in us. Germany stands for lateral sense. We know what is left, what is right, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. All that which is not acceptable slowly shall have to be turned into be acceptable. The opposites shall have to be brought into such state where they tend to be complementary. When we work out life in a manner where we neutralize oppositions and bring them back as complementary to one's own nature, then the strength comes. As we move forward in life, more and more inclusivity should happen. Through inclusivity there is expansion of consciousness. Through exclusivity there is contraction of consciousness. That's why in Germany the two pillars are presided over by a, a, the higher horizontal line which is called the arch. The arch. Every door has its arch. This arch is also called uh, the, the divine arch. The divine arch. It is called divine because as, in the, as much as you relate to the divine arch, so much you raise into buddhic plane. When you raise into buddhic plane, you tend to take to such a state where viewpoints are sacrificed upon the altar of vision. That's where the scripture says that there was an emperor called Seth in the Old Testament. He built upon very huge pillars and on the top of the pillar he made a, a, an arch which is not visible from the ground. The arch is not visible from the ground. You cannot really read what is written on it. But it is there he, he has inscribed all wisdom. The entire wisdom he is said to have been inscribed over there. So that's where it means, unless you raise yourself, 
beyond reality, you cannot gain wisdom. So it's the same mercury at a higher level that gives the vision. Otherwise we continue to live in viewpoints. This dimension of Gemini has to be realized in us. The highest point, the highest arch that we carry in us is that which is above the eyebrows, the forehead and the top of the head. That's where the wisdom is contained. That's where the wisdom is contained. So when you, are, when you make the contemplations, it is therefore recommended that you perceive the light in the forehead to start with and relate to that light as much as you can. When you relate to light in the forehead, your pulsating principle also reaches there because the, the life principle follows the awareness principle. If you are aware that something is, some ant is crawling on your foot, it is the awareness that makes you see that, then the life flows there. If there is a mosquito bite somewhere on the foot, first the awareness runs there, and then the life force runs there. And the more you are focused on it, the life force heals that part which is affected. That's why with the help of awareness, life force can be directed. And you are cured of your discomfort. Likewise, when your awareness is set to move into the head, naturally your life force also moves towards the head. You know this statement, energy follows thought. This. When the awareness is in the head, constantly held there, the life principle also moves there. That means the upward moving pulsation reaches its topmost point. And that's where the life force also takes birth as a pulsating principle. So the life and awareness, they join together and you have a, a state of experience where you are no more with the structures. You have come out of your own self-structuring. As long as we live in the structure, it is like thinking through the box meaning there is no creativity. Now people speak of creativity and thinking out of box. Box means it's already a structured idea by which we generally live. And we structure everything too much. Everything is structured. So excessive structuring causes imprisonment to the soul which is a free-flowing energy, a free-flying energy. If a flying energy is caged, you can imagine how much it suffocates. 
So also the humans suffer because they cage themselves with their own funny ideas. Very funny ideas. And they say always it has to be like this, it has to be like this. It has to be like this is a habit that you have formed. You should also have to form new habits by which you would be able to get out of that which you have structured. If you, if you give prayer in one way, one day, it does not mean the next day you have to give the prayer in the same day, because the energies are different, the awareness is, has different perceptions. It's changing, ever-changing. When something is common, something is always uncommon in nature. How was it yesterday morning? How is it today morning? There is a change. It's the same 9.30 now. Yesterday 9.30, today 9.30. Does the same thing prevail? There was sunlight yesterday. There is light without sun today, <laughs> isn't it? We don't know how it will be tomorrow. So there is an ever-changing dimension. So you too have to carry certain things flexible in you, certain things rigid in you. Essentials, yes, you have to be. There has to be uniformity in essentials. There has to be a flexibility in non-essentials. This is what Mercury can give, the, the ruler of Gemini. Total flexibility is dangerous. Total rigidity is dangerous. You are semi-stable and semi-fluid. That means you are able to change according to the changing situations. In a change in situation, you will adopt well when you have that ability to change. So a part of us shall have to be ever stable and a part of us should be allowed to be in tune with nature which is ever changing. Then you have the, the harmony which is needed, otherwise you suffer. You cannot decide how the weather has to be. You cannot. If you plan things basing on the weather, as you keep doing things according to your plan, if there is a change in weather, you are disturbed because you have not taken into your consideration that changes are always possible in nature. Changes are always possible in nature. So when you view in one way, when Things happen in another way to accept it. You need to gain a mind which is flexible. Flexibility comes through association with wisdom. If you say you are with the wisdom for about thirty years and you are still very rigid, it means you have not benefited yourself with the wisdom. The benefit of wisdom is it gives you the needed flexibility. So this flexibility enables you to accommodate, adjust and tend to be more and more inclusive by which you grow. 
So this arch of the emperor, which they speak in the scripture, is the divine arch which exists from Capricorn to Cancer. The divine arch is from Capricorn to Cancer. It is the movement of sun in the upper hemisphere from Capricorn to Cancer. There is an upward movement of the sun. <clears throat> from the Tropic of Capricorn in 20, on 22nd December, there is a gradual upward movement of the sun. From Muladhara Vaya, it goes up to Sahasrara and again descends into the heart. That's how the whole arch, upward movement of sun is indicative of upward movement of energies. It matters not whether you are in the southern hemisphere or northern hemisphere. Even if you are in the southern hemisphere, in relation to our earth, there is an apparent upward movement of the sun. So as long as there is the upward movement of the sun, there is uprising of energies in us. The uprising of energies conclude in another two days' time. Thereafter, he takes to southern coursing. As we touch upon cancer, there is a southern coursing from cancer to Capricorn. So cancer to Capricorn is called the royal arch. The royal arch. Capricorn to cancer is called the divine arch. That's how it is said in the Vedic astrology. This Capricorn to cancer, which is called the divine arch, is called Makara Torana. Because Capricorn is Makara, Makara Purana. And the downward movement of the sun from Tropic of Cancer to Capricorn is called the Royal Arch. It remains a Royal Arch for those who bring down the wisdom along with them as they come down. When you move in the world associating with wisdom, you remain a king of your life. Otherwise, you reduce yourself to be a hunter for living. That's how the two distinct terms are used in, in spirituality. A hunter is one who is looking for things. A king is one who reigns, who rules. He is not in want of anything. To walk upon earth as a king is one thing. To walk upon earth as a hunter is another thing. So the divine ash leads you into higher realms by the time you reach Aries, the most high point, you have the best of the illumination. 
and you are into the highest realms. So from Aries to Taurus, Taurus to Gemini, as you come up to Cancer, zero degrees, you are coming, bringing down all that wisdom with you. That means you carry the wisdom as your crown. An initiate or a yogi, he is a crowned person. What is the crown? It's not a visible crown. It is the crown of wisdom, which is always around him as the halo. People without wisdom may wear crowns. It's a different thing. He may have a golden crown or a diamond crown or you may have a diamond in the crown. Isn't it? Now there is a lot of controversy. The best of the diamonds on the planet so far found is called Kohinoor diamond. Kohinoor. It was found in Andhra Pradesh, India. And during British rule, since it was the biggest diamond so far found, it was offered to the then Queen of England. So the diamond is decorated on the crown of the English Queen or King. It is there. It is the Indian diamond in the crown of the British <laughs> crown. <clears throat> now there is a request. There is a request. Will you please give back that <laughs> Kohenir diamond to us because we would like to <clears throat> keep it as a precious uh, possession. Some dialogues are happening at those levels. But there is no such problem with the yogi and initiate or a master, he too has a great diamond before him. And it cannot be stolen. It, any number of gifts can come out of it, but it remains always. Because he gained it by virtue of discipleship or yoga or whatever you call it, spiritual practice that he continues to live in the forehead through contemplation and stay there, take a seat in the forehead and rule the kingdom of your own being. That is the true royalty. Such ones, they walk the six months from Cancer to Capricorn as the royal ones. When, when one is considered royal, when he doesn't set his hand like this. And he always sets his hands like this. The one who is eternally giving is the real king, not the one who keeps on begging from people. The true giver is the son, and his movement is followed to receive that energy into us and to hold it most high in us. When we hold it most high in us, we can rule the rest of the kingdom. The arch that is spoken of in the scripture, built by Emperor Seth, is the arch that is... The inscription on the arch can be read only when you reach your forehead. 
Not when you are in your solar plexus or in sacral center or in muladhara. You have to make practices to reach very high. <coughs> when you reach the contemplations, you shall have to be in the, in the arch of your own being, which is the forehead. Thereafter you have two eyes, two ears, two nostrils of a nose, a mouth with upper palate and lower palate, and a throat with two vocal cords, and then the two shoulders. Everything is double thereafter. Up above it is unity. From brow below it's all double, 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 double. All is double. Everything is two eyes. One nose but two nostrils, two ears, one mouth with upper jaw, lower jaw, two vocal cords, two shoulders, two lungs. Anything double in your being is nothing but jimini. And you and your nature is the ultimate, are they double? So to set them in good order, you have to meet in the in the higher plane. <clears throat> that is what Pythagoras also meant when he said the lower numbers agree in the higher. The lower numbers agree in the higher numbers. In the, the, uh, when there is disagreement, that means your awareness is low. This should be low. As long as you are able to agree with as many dimensions that are projected, that means you are able to accommodate them, since your energy is in the higher state. That's why poor are those who reject, poor are those who use the word no, and initiate least uses negative words. There is no no in the dictionary. In Japan, even today, they develop a way of speaking where they don't say no. Because saying no is a rejection. To see how best to include it and avoid saying no is wisdom. The immediate rejections are ignorance. Receive it, assimilate it and see how best it can be integrated into it. He is what wisdom is. That's why the speaking, the listening faculty and assimilating faculty of Jupiter exceedingly complements the mercurial understanding. That's why Jupiter Mercury combination I spoke of yesterday. It's very interesting, the, the four dual signs we have, mutable signs. The four mutable signs are Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius and Pisces. If you, if you make a cross of them, Gemini, Sagittarius is one pair. Pisces, Virgo is one pair. In both cases, the combination is Jupiter-Mercury. 
The four corners of immutable science, they are very well arranged into a Z form. You get this meditation. Z form. Some people call it as Z, but it's Z. We'll go to Sagittarius. Sagittarius to Gemini. Gemini to Pisces. When you move, it is like a Z form, which is called half swastika. <clears throat> Virgo speaks of a, a clean mind. Sagittarius speaks of serving the fellow man with the help of the free mind, clean mind. Clean mind of Virgo should be utilized for serving the fellow man in Sagittarius. And as much as you serve the fellow beings, you are raised into the highest energies of Gemini where you meet the arch at the blow center. Thereafter, the Jupiter further helps you to find synthesis, which is represented by Pisces that exists above our head. Pisces has two places in the human body, not only at the down the feet, it is also up the head. So this kind of Z movement is what is enabled once we know the right understanding of working with wisdom. That is what is inaugurated by Gemini. Gemini being the midair, it helps us to experience it. So these dimensions of Gemini, of inclusivity, Contrary to exclusivity and the ability to supplement others' strengths with our strengths. See, in everyone there are certain different strengths which you don't have. I have some strengths, you have some other strengths. So by uniting appropriately we double our strengths. That's why the old saying is, united we stand, divided we fall. Isn't it? See, there is a collective, in a group life like this, there is such a collective strength that is put to use. There are translators, there are people who are working with recording, there are people who are transmitting everything all over. And all are contributing in a group life. It is not just one man is conducting the group life. And every strength is well utilized in preparing this altar, which brings the energies, in arranging all that is needed for a group life, creating facilities. It's all the strength together that makes a group life a grand event, joyful and enjoyable. So like that, the more and more you are able to utilize different strengths, different strengths would enable us to grow into a stronger position this way of awareness. That is what is indicated by the arch of the emperor Seth, which is set in the Vedic astrology as the divine arch. 
the divine arch which prevails from Capricorn to Cancer. Unless you work with the divine arch and gain the needed wisdom, you cannot live upon this earth like a king. To live as a king upon the earth means you live free. Free means you are not bounded to anything. You are, you are upon earth, but you are not stuck with it. You float on earth, you don't crawl on earth. So that is what is indicated by being a king in the spiritual path. <clears throat> to be a king means to be a master of one's own life, which is possible when we have fairly settled in the forehead of our being which represents the arch, the upper arch, the arch of wisdom. May that be noted because it's, it's from there everything descends. The glyph of Gemini has a, a, an artistic line on the top, an artistic line on the ground. In between there are the two pillars. The two pillars are not erected from the ground. It is from unity there is the diversity. It is from above downwards, from unity the duality has come. From unity the duality has come. We are all very united in, the, in our highest state of awareness. And then there is the duality that gives the contrast to experience, to experience. So the original glyph of Gemini is only the upper line with the two vertical lines descending from it. That is what is called the symbol of P. As long as you remember that it is from unity that we have come into diversity and we are connected in the state of unity, you are holding the wisdom. When the, when the pillars are grounded and when the base is seen as the matter, then you don't see the upper arch. That's the beauty of the description in the scripture, that the arch is so high that from earth you cannot see what is written on it. From the earth, if you look at it, especially in Switzerland, the clouds come even to the ground, you know. It's beautiful. When we came here, all mounts are visible with their peaks. But by yesterday evening, the mountains disappeared, you know. Disappeared from our side because the clouds came down. And all around... You only see clouds and there are no more peaks, isn't it? So you can't see the peak. Like that when we are extremely grounded upon earth and preoccupied with matter, preoccupied with matter, you cannot see what is written on the higher arch. But through practices, of yoga, 
like contemplation with the help of the pranic principle or with the help of awareness principle. If you move up into your forehead, which is called the peak of the mount, top of the mount, from there everything is visible. You have better vision, better understanding. That is the purpose of contemplation. Don't close your eyes and keep on thinking about your mundane problems for about half an hour until we chant Gayatri. When you think of your mundane problems early in the morning, in the name of morning meditation, normally the heaviness of matter tends you to sleep. There are so many in the morning meditation, their heads fall. Until Om is heard. Then Om is heard again. Why? Because we are more grounded than we are anchored up, up above. So the very purpose of contemplation is to, to anchor up above. That is what is called in scriptures as uprooting. Uprooting means we think picking out from the earth, you know. If you pluck out things from a plant from the earth, we say we have uprooted. That's not the understanding in spirituality. Uprooting means you have rooted up. You are rooting up. You are not disturbing the earth. You are rooting up and you are preparing your structure, your foundation is in your head but not in your feet. You stand by your head, meaning the energies of your head, not Sheshasana. You stand by the energy of your head. You cannot stand when your head is not in awareness. You can't sleep standing. Can you? Try, you can try. I give, I give you a very big gift if you can stand and sleep, fall asleep. <clears throat> what happens when you fall asleep standing? You fall. Isn't it? You can't stand without awareness. Can you? So that's why when people are not very stable in their standing posture. They have suggested an asana called Tadasana. Keeping the two thumbs near, bring the feet together, join the two thumbs, and on the thumbs you raise, stretching your hands up there. By stretching your hands up there, you are able to stand stable even on the thumbs. It enables movement of energy up there. Anyway, there is a different dimension. <clears throat> the idea is tend to root up. That's why tend to root up, meaning it is also called uprooting. Basically, we understand uprooting as 
plucking things out of the ground. Here up, to root up is important. As much as you root up, you stand in unity. As much as you root down, you stand in division. Up there it is uni, down there it is diversity, uni-versity. Universe, universe. One too many. So let us try in wisdom practices to root up than to, to than thinking of rooting down into the earth. That's why men of wisdom never believed in, a, in grounding themselves excessively. In grounding themselves excessively. So the, the glyph of Gemini shall have to be related to in such a manner that we relate to the upper horizontal line and the two verticals and do not stay with the two verticals only that we are united essentially. In the soul we are united and the light of the soul, which is called buddhi, there also we stay united. When we descend into mind, we hold this thought of unity and conduct in diversity. Even while we descend, we bring this wisdom along with us. When we are in action, the wisdom is also with us. We don't de-link with wisdom and function in the physical plane or at the mental plane. When you get into mental, emotional and physical plane, when you carry the, the stream of wisdom with you or the ray of wisdom with you, you conduct activity upon earth with a connection, with a connection to your head center. This, this, when you continuously work in that manner, you are called, you are a connected person. We speak of persons who are very, very well connected. A master of wisdom is a connected person. He descends and functions once the function is over, again he ascends and stays in his royal throne, which is at the forehead. The royal throne is at the forehead. Staying there, he, he rules the kingdom. If necessary, he enters into the kingdom, meaning the field of mind, senses and body, conduct and again come back and occupy the throne. Generally, he seats himself in the forehead. This is possible when we regularly contemplate in the forehead. Understand that it is, that you are in a field of light where we are all one. And when we descend and conduct, essentially the world is of duality. In a world of duality, you function through the duality. Through the duality. 
ఫంక్షనింగ్ త్రూ డ్యూయాలిటీ ఎనేబుల్స్ యూ టు ఎక్స్పీరియన్స్ ది లెఫ్ట్ అండ్ రైట్ స్టేయింగ్ ఇన్ ది మిడిల్ ది టూ పిల్లర్స్ యూ యూ వాక్ త్రూ ది పిల్లర్స్ అట్ ఎవ్రీ పోర్టల్ యూ గో త్రూ ది టూ పిల్లర్స్ వేర్ ది లెఫ్ట్ అండ్ ది రైట్ ఎగ్రీ దట్స్ ది బ్యూటీ ఆఫ్ విజ్డమ్ కమింగ్ ఫ్రమ్ జమిని వై ఆర్ ది రూలర్ మెర్క్యూరీ the number of mercury the number of mercury is 5 you see how beautifully five arranges all other numbers into complementary or supplementary pairs we have 1 2 3 4 and 5 on the top 6 7 8 9 you make a, a triangle like this on the top there is 5 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 that every pair of numbers is again 10 down under it is 1 and 9 so in the in the on the physical plane it is synthesis 1 and 9 is 10 10 is complete number perfect number in the next plane emotional plane it is 2 and 8 again it is number 10 so there is synthesis at the emotional plane at the mental plane there is 3 and 7 which is again united as number 10 then in the buddhic plane it is 2 and 8 again are connected as 10 so wherever you go through the golden middle path of number 5 it rearranges the rest of the numbers into pairs that's the beauty of number 5 that's the beauty of mercury that it enables you because it's it descends from jupiter jupiter is as i said yesterday is a sahasara then you descend like hercules every time hercules tends to a labor he starts from his master jupiter isn't it jupiter directs him what to do and accordingly he fulfills the labor and joins jupiter again that's how the story is so jupiter we, we always personify as some other person and hercules as some other person that's not the way to learn wisdom every scripture only speaks of us every scripture scripture speaks of the reader who is reading the scripture he should read the scripture as his own book so the jupiter is in the head and each time you venture into some labor you are descending from jupiter carrying the energies of jupiter with you meaning the wisdom of jupiter is with you you can descend into buddhic plane you can descend into mental plane you can descend into most emotional things you can descend onto the physical plane you don't lose your composure because you are connected you are connected that's why to represent the four planes the buddhic mental emotional and physical 
There are four numbers arranged in one side, four numbers arranged in the other side, and five presides. Five presides. So number five rearranges the numbers in such a manner there is synthesis every, at every plane. There is agreement at every plane. Agreement at every plane. That's why a man of wisdom is acceptable on the physical plane. He is acceptable for persons who are emotionally disturbed to find their balance. He is acceptable to people who are mentally at conflict because he solves their mental conflict. He is acceptable at buddhic plane. Everywhere he is acceptable. That's the beauty of being a Mercury in connection with Jupiter. That's why number five, if you say, it is ascribed the title as Son of God. Number five is Son of God, while ten is God. The scriptures. Ten is called God. Ten is perfect number. It is God, meaning one standing by the creation. Zero represents the creation. And one stands by it. Because of one, it, the zero stands. It stands by zero, the creation. Without one, the zero falls to nothing. It is just a zero. A zero is just a zero unless it is well supported by the one. That's why ten is perfect number in every theology. Five is its son. It's eco. It's zona. <laughs> the sun we see in the sky is also the son of his father. Son has his father, and that father has another father. So this sonship is a great quality which Gemini bestows in relation to Jupiter. In relation to Jupiter, Mercury shines forth as son of God. That's why a lot of importance is given to prepare the sons of men as sons of God in the month of Gemini. That's the beauty relating to it. It rearranges the existing energies in any plane. In any plane it arranges the energies in such a manner that it is an ideal situation to function in that plane. At physical plane, he makes it ideal for functioning. At emotional plane, he makes it ideal for functioning. He, at, at the mental plane, he makes it very ideal to, for functioning. And in buddhic plane too. And then he is at the atmic plane. These numbers I have many times put on the board in the past. However, Gemini is the month in which mostly I came here for thirty years. And somewhere or other I, I have spoken about thousands of things relating to Gemini. Some are sometimes repeated. You see five as one side and then four and six, three and seven, two and eight, one and nine. That's how the pyramid is preceded by five. And you have the planes, one, two, three, four planes preceded by Mercury. And Mercury is connected with Jupiter. 
without connection method is cannot function with connection that's why we as sons of men shall have to relate to the highest center in us through our contemplations and thereafter bring those energies into various planes of existence into which we descend and function let that be so is a message coming from the numerical potency relating to this sign number 5 and then again if you see gemini another dimension which he wish to give 90 degrees are over isn't it by conclusion of gemini from aries 90 degrees are over that's how we also complete 90 meditations by the day 90 days 90 meditations aries 30 degrees taras 30 degrees gemini 30 degrees 90 degrees isn't it what does it mean in the circular movement of time which is of 360 degrees when you cover 90 degrees you are covering a quarter isn't it a quarter it makes a right angle isn't it imagine that you are at 0 degrees aries from there you slowly move towards taras aries taras gemini it becomes horizontal from vertical to horizontal in a circle in a circle a vertical line from center to top when it moves by 90 degrees it comes to horizontal that is this this first quarter of 90 degrees is what is represented by the 90 degrees of compass in masonry masonry 90 degrees representing the two legs of the one one has developed into a vertical energy and a horizontal energy isn't it imagine a circle where you have one needle vertical from the center to the top of the circle like 12 o'clock where the two needles are exactly in union with from center upwards then by 12:15 what happens midnight 12 o'clock by 12:15 the needle comes in right angle to it isn't it so like that in a year the first right angle is built here is a cycle of 360 degrees so here is about 365 and odd days 90 and odd days becomes one square for us one right angle this right angle is of great consequence <coughs> there are four right angles isn't it in 360 circle of 360 degrees there are four quarters and four right angles 
the first quarter that builds the first right angle is of great consequence. That's why Gemini also relates to geometry, mathematics, masonry, so many dimensions are. This first quarter, building the from the vertical, the horizontal has happened. And upon this right angle, there is the hypotenuse built. The hypotenuse. If you connect the top of the vertical with the extreme of the horizontal, then there is a connecting line which we call hypotenuse. I hope you know that because in this school children we are taught. We are not taught this way, but we are taught in a different way about hypotenuse. <laughs> but that hypotenuse is the sum and essence of the vertical and horizontal. The, hypot- the, the properties of hypotenuse are nothing but the properties of vertical and horizontal. Because it is connected from vertical to horizontal, isn't it? In a right angle triangle, the hypotenuse is of great consequence. That is what Pythagoras informed, which exists in the Vedic mathematics even from variation most times. That hypotenuse is the source for the rest of the creation. Because vertical represents the masculine, horizontal represents the feminine, their connectivity brings forth the creation. The creation is nothing but the activity of the male-female principles. Don't think of forms. Male-female principles. When the male-female principles are at right angle, there is an ideal creation that is produced. That's what the, the, the theorem says. The square upon the vertical and the square upon the horizontal put together is the square on the hypotenuse. Meaning the creation contains in it different combination of masculine and feminine energies. Different combinations of male and female energies. In the higher circles there is more spirit. In the lower, in the higher place there is more spirit. In the lower place there is more matter. But there is matter everywhere. There is spirit everywhere. In the most high plane also there is matter. Mola prakriti. Without that nothing happens. And in the most mundane plane there is spirit in it. In the most high plane, the highest planes, matter is concealed in spirit. Matter is hidden in spirit. It, it never ceases to be. 
in the most mundane plane spirit is hidden by matter there is one state where one extreme state where spirit is hidden by matter there is another extreme state where matter is hidden by spirit so matter in spirit matter in spirit to spirit in matter the whole thing happens the whole creation is happening it is one as which descends as spirit and gradually most subtle matter keeps happening it reaches its midway point midway point and then thereafter the matter gains importance in the sense thereafter it is matter that contains spirit in a sevenfold existence let us say the sevenfold existence the upper three planes there is more portion of spirit and less portion of matter in the lower three planes there is more and more matter less than spirit in the sense matter hides the spirit we only know that matter hides the spirit but spirit also hides matter in higher planes that is not known because we don't know the experiencing of those planes that's why <clears throat> so matter from spirit to matter there is a gradual manifestation in in spirit is there matter or not is a question can there be spirit without matter it cannot be is the answer of the veda it cannot be it is potentially there if it is not there how can it come out what is not in you cannot come out of you can everything which is not in you can come out of you when you speak it is in you though therefore you spoke it you can't speak which is not in you like that in from in spirit matter is hidden in the most high plane that's why the eastern scriptures never say that matter is given birth to by spirit it is always there the two are eternally there there is no dominance of the there is no such situation only male existed that's why yesterday the story of lilith etc it is very wrong understanding male female manifest at the same time male female manifest the same time the, the as as creation moves towards its a dense state more and more matter gets expressed see there are two persons there are two persons let us say one is always visible by his by his features by his action is more and more visible there is another person who is already there along with the first person he is not so visible see in a, in a, in, a, in a couple also 
One is more visible, the other is less visible. It is an arrangement in nature. You can't say the visible one is the best or the invisible one is the best. Both are equally good. So coming to this example, slowly matter gaining its ground. In the fourth plane there is meeting of matter and spirit in equal measure. In the fourth plane of buddhi there is equal matter, equal spirit. In the, if you go to higher planes, more spirit, more ma- less matter. If you get to lower planes, more matter, less spirit. In the fourth plane, which is the middle plane, they are equals. <clears throat> that is the ideal state. This ideal state is represented by the male-female God. Male-female. That is what Gemini is. It's an ideal state. Neither matter dominates nor spirit dominates. So if you if you raise yourself into buddhic plane, you have synthesis of wisdom. Where you have you you gain in you equal reverence to the father and the mother. There would be no such foolish thing as building churches only for Jesus, not for Maria, or only for Maria, not for Jesus. These are all our vagaries of our mind. Without understanding we do so many things. Vagaries suffer. Male, female are together at all times. That's why our God is a male-female God, that's how it says. Ardhanari, Adonai, Adonai, Ardhanari, male-female. That male-female God is represented by Gemini. Gemini is presentation of male-female God who gives you the joy of the spirit and the matter. Spirit and the matter. So therefore this first quarter, coming back to that, the first quarter brings the first right angle of the year. Why people speak of the three months of the solar year constituting the most sublime energies. In this quarter you have the essentials of all the other three quarters. In this quarter, which is the seed of the year, you have the whole tree of the year. Wisdom is to see the tree in the seed. Wisdom is to see the tree in the seed. It's easy to carry it in a seed form, just like you carry things in a small chip now. Volumes of wisdom is carried in a small chip, isn't it? Which is now known to us. 
But it is so, it was so in the ancient times. They carried things in this seat form. To carry a banyan tree from India is not easy. To carry a banyan seed is easy. You can fill your pockets with so many banyan seeds. Isn't it? So, in this seed, if you learn to gain the vision through the seed of the tree, this is what the first quarter of the year gives you. Here is Taras Gemini. And here is Taras Gemini are essentially our throat and above. Throat and above is Aries, Taras, Yamani, and then the top it is Pisces. So where are we to meditate? When you make a sound, let the sound bring light into the head. For example, when we say Om, there is a movement of air upward. Utterance is always with exhalation. Always with exhalation. Om. When you say that, it touches this point and knocks the roof over here. Like the drum, it beats over there. Om. Such a beautiful sound, man. If you only, if only you know the import of it. <clears throat> Each time you make a nasal sound, it goes into the cave of your skull. <laughs> this is the cave of the skull, which is called the cave of the bear, great bear. Great bear is too big to think. Skull is enough. <laughs> Into our skull, when the vibrations go relating to the sound, Om, it reverberates the whole skull. It has an echo effect on you. And as much the sound is, it reverberates, it brings the light, because sound brings light. So the light gets, the head gets lighted. If it is, oh, every time you make a norm, your head shines forth like an electric bulb. An electric bulb, boom, like that. Wow! You would feel, oh, my head is full of electricity, <laughs> but not of matter. My head is not, mat- is of, not of matter, but is of electricity. That's why practices have to be with intent, with intent. Where do you make the sound? Gemini, throat. With the help of exhalation. Inhalation and exhalation are the, as I said, the, the functions of Gemini. So Gemini helps for initiation in the head. Gemini helps the initiation in the head. And the head gets transformed. 
the earlier head slowly changes into a different head they don't touch the outer structure of the head everything inside is changed you see in all these old houses old churches now outside it is the same but inside it is all changed very light and even air conditioned no an air conditioned church inside with modern fittings very light fittings very good furniture we visited some of those churches we even had seminar in those churches the outer head remains the same for all apparently you look the same but inside everything has changed that is what is called head cut not hair cut but head cut <laughs> it's a head cut ritual which can happen with the gemini as the base the throat as the base when sounds are appropriately uttered with knowledge sound being jupiter the essential quality of jupiter is sound he works with sound he is not the one who works with colors why all these sounds people ask now it's a jupiterian work sound is jupiterian colors are venetian and color necessarily follows the sound color is subordinate to sound sound relates to akasha color relates to fire fire is the third element akasha is the fifth element is any way sound is the most superior thing and jupiter works with it so jupiter brings colors with the sound that's why you have gemini making the sound the utterance possible with the vocal cords vocal cords and the physical plane represent gemini you make a sound which is nasal don't speak more with the mouth let a part of the speech come through the nose nasal sounds have an impact on the upper part of the head monday and talk we can just use the mouth <clears throat> for incantations or chanting you shall have to be nasal the nasal enables it's them kicking up the roof over the there is a bridge here at the bre at the bro it keeps on knocking the door over there because apebo is light apebo the roof it is light so you keep on knocking 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 that's how that is how we have to utter then we utter sound om om is the mystic mantra relating to gemini while the exoteric mantra relating to gemini is soham we'll go up to 11 o'clock until the next nature call <laughs> <coughs> because it's a topic which requires 
కంటిన్యూయేషన్ యాజ్ యు బ్రీత్ యూ బ్రీత్ త్రూ ది యూ బ్రీత్ ఇన్ యూ బ్రీత్ అవుట్ వెన్ యూ బ్రీత్ ఇన్ అండ్ యూ క్యూన్లీ లిజన్ యూ లిజన్ టు ది సౌండ్ సో at the throat you don't have to make the sound it is already there through the nose as you breathe in the 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 air goes up to the bridge of the nose then goes down it makes a sound at the throat so you can listen yourself if you breathe in at this when the air is going through the windpipe into the lungs at this point you listen to the sound so and when you breathe out you listen to the sound hum this is the exotic mantra relating to jamis as much as you breathe out you can breathe in you can also breathe out so as you breathe out with the hum the humming sound goes and knocks at the door and it leads you through the forehead up to sahasrara and even beyond hum that's why as much as you relate to breathing in you should also relate to breathing out breathing out is a means for your upward movement breathing in is to bring in the outside air into you the the all permeating one is entering into you through your breathing in breathe in is entering into you when you breathe out don't release him <laughs> move along with him that's the beauty consciously move along with him up to the bro and even imagine that you are getting into the higher realms hum asain om the last part of this sound shall have to make you to move up up to the sahasrara even beyond move along with the upward movement of air go vertical the air may come out from the bridge of the nose to the nostrils but you will move up it's like if you are put if a jet is put under your seat a jet of water as much as the water moves up you also go but the force of the water even if the water comes down you will move further up likewise the air that pulls you up will throw you up there into the higher chambers higher chambers that is how a disciple is required to work with the sound so slowly as he does it he the two consonants drop and only om and the sound reverberates 
in the in the dome relating to you that's the dome that's the dome of the palace that we are <laughs> we got to see the domes of big palaces in wow how beautiful it is built we have a dome into which we can move with the help of air and with the help of the sound that the air carries with it so that is the technique given in germany to work with to move into higher circles <clears throat> to come down to come down we don't have to make an effort because we we easily fall down <laughs> but there are some who have who cannot come down there are some who cannot come down they have to make an effort to come down for such ones it is hasam like that hasam that's how there is another mantra given to that energy it is called hayagriva the horse headed deity he comes down he comes down to help that is hasam this is soham <clears throat> soham whenever there is a descent it is from ha there is a descent that's why you have hari you have hara you have hamsa alha is a descending energy and this the sound relating to so is the ascending energy the ascent of man is eagle the descent of man is serpent we we do those meditations if you descend you crawl like a serpent if you ascend you fly like an eagle so the descent is from ha the ascent is from sa that's why to ascend the sound sa and ha these two are very well used in varieties of ways varieties of ways so coming back to the topic jamuni contains naturally in its throat the two sounds of inhalation and exhalation it naturally contains it is not an uttered sound it is an uttered sound happening when you use the vocal cords it is uttered for the word manifests in four it's a fourfold word we spoke a lot about it para pasyanti madhyama vaikari in the book saraswati you find them there was a nine day seminar in mount rigi on saraswati where there is a fourfold manifestation of the word <coughs> the word is there always unuttered para it is called beyond the word is always there beyond and then it enters into the utterer we are the utterers 
it enters into us. That's the second state. And then, as the, as the word enters into us an impulse, we get the, we get it as an idea, as a beautiful idea. Beautiful idea. Then, it takes to the help of exhalation to utter forth. It takes to the exhalation to utter forth. Without exhalation you cannot utter. You can try if you can utter when you are inhaling. You cannot. So the uttering ability comes from exhalation, ability of exhalation. The strength of exhalation enables an effective utterance. So Gemini plays the role both for utterance and also for the strength coming from the exhalation. So the, the understanding is you are the Aryan, the utterer. To you the thought occurs as a beautiful thought in Taras and you prepare to utter forth with the help of Gemini. When it is uttered out, something is manifest. Gemini does two functions in relation to uttering. One is exhalation in the vital plane, uttering with the help of vocal cords at the physical plane. Then there is a manifestation on account of such utterance. That is what is called cancer. That means all that you carry from Aries, Gemini and Aries, Star of Gemini, that is the energy which you start manifesting from cancer for the rest of the year. So the nine months that would happen hereafter, beginning from cancer, its seed is already there in the first quarter. Its seed is already there in the first quarter. That's how it is. The Vedic CSE have even gone still further. They said not only the 90 days, 90 days is quite a comprehension. The first nine days itself contain, the first nine days itself, the first nine days of the solar year itself contain the potential of Aries Taurus Gemini. Meaning it is still, still made precise. It, it is made more precise. Because ninety is nothing but an, an expression of nine. And in nine, there are three divisions of three, three, three. That's how the first nine days from the beginning of the solar year is said to contain the, the entire year. That's how they come. So be it nine days, be it ninety days. When it comes to ninety days, there is this potential for manifestation prepared. And the, it starts expressing itself through cancer. Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra. 
by the time we reach equinox, it is ground. It is grounded. When we touch River Libra, it is grounded. When we are at the, in Germany, it is at the buddhic mental plane. It gradually manifests. So whatever energies we gather in the first three months of the year, decide the quality of our manifestation in the next nine months of the year. That is another understanding relating to Gemini, which we have to hold with us. Then there is another dimension. Another dimension. When you speak of a vertical and a horizontal, in right angle, this is what is this right angle of a compass which we speak of in masonry or in geometry. <clears throat> it is the basis for all. We say that God is a grand geometrician. He builds everything according to right angles. Right angles. Grand geometrician. These two legs of the compass, the two legs of the compass are said to be in the Greek system as the great Pymanderis. The great Pymanderis. And the geometrician is called Vishwakarma. Vishwakarma. Vishwakarma means universal action. Karma means action. Vishwa is universe. Is it tiring, Doris? No. Thank you. I have to ask someone, so I ask you. <laughs> universal action. The universal action represents the universal plan. We speak of the plan, you know, which the masters know and serve. The plan. The plan happens for the year by the, by end of Germany. The plan happens for the year by end of Germany. Those who are in tune with the plan, they move on to stand in to stand in plan. You have to stand in right angle. Right angle is nothing but right relationship. Right relationship. What is right relationship? You relate vertically to the Father in the heaven, or the master in you, vertically, without delinking with him, you relate horizontally to the surrounding. Keeping the vertical intact, you relate horizontal. <clears throat> as long as there is a right angle between the vertical and horizontal, you move along with the plan. 
But the vertical is vertical. The horizontal need not stay in right angle with the vertical. The horizontal may not stay in right angle with vertical. The vertical can stay. The right angle of the horizontal can be like this, making an acute angle. It can be making an obtuse angle, an acute angle an obtuse angle in relations. Any being you neglect, any being you neglect, you ignore, builds obtuse angles. Any being you attack with an acute angle, these are the two things that bring you consequences and you are thrown out of Vishwakarma into individual karma. This is another dimension. There is a universal karma, meaning universal action, from which you deviate by your inability to make a right relation. You bring your individual karma. Individual karma is what is called fate. You create your own fate by your inability to make a right relation. That's why there is a prayer. Abhyasambhuta pradhivyai rasacha vishvakarmana samavartadadhi tasya tvasta vidhada dhrupa meti don't worry about it. That's why <laughs> it is said in Purusha Sukta. We all read Purusha Sukta, but as I said, we are parrots, you know. We can just repeat not knowing what it is. We, we pray to the principle of Vishwakarma, the great architect of the universe. Vishwakarma is called in masonry as the great architect of the universe because he gives the plan. It is the architect that gives the plan and then the engineers build it. Isn't it? With the help of the architect, there is a design made and there is an engineer who builds it. Siddhas, Sadhyas. They are all there in the Purusha I don't want to get into it. The truth is, when you are not in tune with the nature's plan, which is called universal plan, which is also called Vishwakarma, it is also called the architecture of the universe, the great architect of the universe. He gives a, he gives a plan for the year. For a year, for the year, he gives for a century, for a, for a yuga and all that. You are in tune with that plan, fine, you move on. If you are not in tune with that plan, somewhere you are dropped. You are dropped out. You pick up your own karma and then still... It's like getting out of the autobahn, the highway. If you get into a wrong exit, to find the right entry takes a long time, you know. 
So that is how the, the plan as is conceived for the year from Aries to Gemini. He is received by whom? By the disciples, advanced disciples in Gemini. By the adoption, Taras. And by the most high, Sarath Kumara in Aries. In Aries, the plan is received by Shambhala, represented by Sanat Kumara. It is transmitted to the adepts, who is the, and the group of adepts, they are headed by the world teacher, Maitreya. They receive it in the Taras full moon hours, Vaishak full moon. They are transmitted in Germany to the disciples who are oriented to hierarchy and shambhala. It is they who work out this plan on earth. They work out the plan on earth. So what are we to do? We have to become those disciples who can relate to the plan. That's why all these practices have come out. The practices have become so many that we have lost the way. It has become a forest. <laughs> and the path is lost in wilderness of wisdom. Isn't it? And wisdom can be so... When it is too much, <laughs> it's like being in a forest and you don't know which way to move. Isn't it? But that's how it works out. That's the reason these Aries, Taras, Gemini are given utmost importance in a zodiac, in a solar year. And since we are in those times, we are, I'm speaking of those dimensions, we will continue in the afternoon.